hope you brought your Bible with you. If you did, grab your Bible this morning and let's open together for the last time in this series to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at this passage that I hope is familiar to you by now. I hope you've even uh, taken us up on the challenge to memorize Colossians 3, 1 through 4. I don't think you'll regret putting that to memory and being able to use this passage as a guide to preach the gospel to your own soul at any moment, to stir up your faith in who you are in Christ. So let's read this together this morning, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Paul told the church in these passages that they were to set their minds on things above. And we've been focusing on this all through this series. And what we have seen is that to set our mind on things above means that we set our mind on eternal spiritual Realities, And we've looked at a few of these eternal spiritual realities, things that will never change. These things last forever because of the work of Christ and what he has accomplished for us. So Paul shared these eternal spiritual realities in Colossians 3. You are raised with Christ. You are seated with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, and you are the new man. These are the ter- eternal spiritual realities. Yeah, and last week you, you shared with us... Uh, a wonderful message on the word of God and how it stands forever and how God has is one with his word and and how those eternal realities are found within the Bible mm-hmm. and uh, that's where we look for these eternal realities that we're supposed to set our mind upon because the word of God stands forever as you said that's right and last week we were focused on the what you know we're trying to figure this out what is the is the resource what is the tool that god has given us so that we can know these things and we saw that it is god's truth that is found in god's word and it's all because of god's relationship with his word it's all because of how he chooses to relate to his word so last week was the what this week we're going to move into the how Okay, because Paul gets very practical as you continue on in Colossians 3, especially Colossians 3, 16 through 17. In these verses, he tells the church how that they how they need to go about setting their mind on these eternal spiritual realities by setting their mind on the word of God that stands forever. Look for it here. There's three things. How do we need to do it? It says in Colossians 3, 16 through 17. Let the word of Christ, there's the word of God. We're talking about his word that stands forever. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you can see them right here in this passage that there are three things, and we're going to expand these three things. How do we go about setting our minds on these eternal spiritual realities? How do we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly? Paul unpacks it right here with these three things. Let's expand them. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly through teaching. 
Let it dwell in you richly through admonishing and through singing. These are the three things that Paul points out in Colossians 3, 16. You know, strategies are so important uh, in life. It doesn't matter what you're a part of. It's not, uh, we can't just have a worthy purpose to accomplish and, and, a, and reach that purpose without having the right strategy. And, and so Paul he did not leave the church with just, here's what you should do. Set your minds on things above. He said, here's the strategy mm -hmm. that you need to implement in your own personal life and in the church in order to accomplish this purpose of setting your mind on these eternal realities. And the first one is, is teaching. And, uh, you know, if, if you're going to teach others, you must first be taught. And the word teach... Uh, means to learn is what the word means. It means to learn. And so how do we go about learning mm -hmm. so that we can teach others? Well, we go about learning by studying and, and reading is what we do. And we study something and we read something until we first understand it. Right. We can't pass something on to others until we've examined it closely enough so that we can understand it. And so that's how we learn. We learn by reading. We learn by studying what we read. And then we learn by having qualified teachers who help us understand what we're reading. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we might think we don't need qualified teachers to help us understand things. I want you to understand that is so important in order to be teachable is to be humble. Yeah. And go, you know, I really need someone to help me because I don't really get this. Right. So help me understand this. Yeah, we've got to be learners. And part of being a learner is, is being humble and being willing to say, I need some help in understanding these things. And in the church, God chooses specific men. He calls them to be pastors, to be elders, is what the Bible calls these men. And, and it's a very special calling. He gives these men the grace to be teachers when the church gathers. And for me personally, the privilege of being able to sit under godly teaching, godly preaching in the word has really shaped the way I go about interpreting God's word. Yeah. It's really shaped the way I go about reading it. I can't imagine how lost I would be reading Leviticus without teaching, right? I mean, can you imagine where you might land in your faith and what you might believe you need to practice personally? If you didn't have someone teaching you the word of God, we're reading Leviticus right now in our daily reading plan. I'm so glad I've had teachers people who can help me understand god's word and god calls pastors elders to be these teachers for the church when it gathers look at first timothy 5 17 through 18 paul writes to timothy who is paul's an elder he's an apostle he's a pastor he's writing timothy who's also a pastor and he says let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor in the word and doctrine there's a very, there's a distinction here. It's very important to Paul that there are those elders who are laboring in the word and in doctrine. For the scripture says, you should not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and the laborer is worthy of his wages. You know, one of the things that I've done for many years now is, you know, there's times where I'm going to be gone and I'm not going to fill the pulpit and I'll look to one of our associates or someone else in our congregation to fill the pulpit and uh, one of the things I asked them 
you know, when I asked them, would you prayerfully consider maybe sharing the word in our service? My next question is going to be, do I have time to prepare? Exactly. See, mm -hmm. uh, do you have time to prepare? Because it's very important that you labor in the preparation in order to deliver the word to the church. And so these, these men in the church, they have the grace to labor mm -hmm. on a regular basis to teach the church uh, the word of God. I was very fortunate when I first became saved to have a great teaching elder over at First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City. And he's been here, he's preached here named Jimmy Draper. Mm -hmm. And he really helped me understand what I was reading in the Bible when I was just a babe mm -hmm. in Christ and really knew nothing about the Bible. And so elders are so important. It's, it's a very high calling that these teaching elders receive from God. Uh, just think about the responsibility of helping a group of people understand the Word of God. They can read it for themselves, but helping them understand it and interpret it correctly is a very, very high calling. And it's a grace that these teaching elders receive from God. And so Paul called them pastor teachers in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, And he gave himself, and he himself gave some to be apostles. That's an office. Some prophets, that's an office. Some evangelists. And some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And Timothy, as Brandon said, was one of these pastor teachers uh, that uh, was uh, appointed by God to help the church understand the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so he, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So, to uh, set our mind on these things above, the strategy is we need to learn by reading and studying God's Word. And then we need to learn from those pastor teachers who have been called by God to teach His Word to the church. And, you know, when we open our Bibles and we, when we gather for, uh, for teaching from our pastors, we're living out Colossians 3.16 by letting the Word of God dwell in us richly through the teaching that we're receiving. So the first part of the strategy is we need to hear teaching. Yeah, and so what? how can you respond to this first part? Well, how have you lifted up in your own life and in your own heart the priority of reading the Word of God and sitting under the preaching of the Word of God? You, it's an easy evaluator. See how this is the how? You know, the what is set your mind on eternal things and the word of God stands forever. That's good. But how do I dwell in that richly? How, well, this is measurable, church. You, did I read my Bible today? This is measurable. Did I prioritize the preaching and teaching of the word of God this week when those men that God called to be pastors delivered that word to our church? Did I listen? Did I engage? So it's a very measurable. This is the how message to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. First one is teaching. The next one is admonishing. Admonishing is the second way. This is how we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. This word admonish literally means to caution or to gently rebuke. That's what the word means. To caution 
or to gently, gently rebuke. In the context of Colossians 3, the word admonish means to help someone else put their mind on the words of Christ when they're not setting their mind on things above. That's what it means in this passage. Oh, you're struggling to set your mind on things above. You're getting overwhelmed by the thoughts of this world. Oh, Ukraine is really stressing you out. Like it's causing you to lose your peace. Like you're really in turmoil about this. Brother, sister, let me help you set your mind on things above. Should we be concerned? Yes, but through the lens of God, through the lens of eternity, through the lens of his word, let me help you set your mind there. So Paul understood how important it was for God's people to admonish one another and to encourage one another to set their minds on things above. He knew we needed this. Do you realize that you need this? Paul knew that you needed other believers to do this. When Paul was on his last missionary journey, it's recorded in the book of Acts, he was leaving the church at Ephesus. And he knew that he was not going to see these dear friends and these fellow believers again. It was the last time that he was ever going to see their faces. And so as he departed, Paul left them with some very moving words. And I want to read part of those words to you. It's in Acts 20, 29 through 32. This is what Paul said as he departed. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years, that's not a short period of time, for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Is that passionate or what? And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. There's the word which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So for Paul, he knew that these threats, these wolves, fierce wolves entering the church and speaking twisted lies that were going to draw disciples away from Jesus, that this was a real threat. This is a real problem that the church was going to face. So because of that, Paul was very passionate in what? Look, he was passionate to admonish everyone with tears, not ceasing night or day for three years. That's a commitment to admonishment. Paul reminded the church that he did not cease night or day. And so that's the strong devotion and the admonishment that, that Paul demonstrates to God's word. Yeah, and we all need this admonishment, you know, from brothers and sisters in Christ in the word of God in order to keep our minds uh, focused on the word of God and uh, I got admonished yesterday during the middle of a college basketball game I was sitting on the bench and uh, one of our assistant coaches he's really the head assistant coach during the game I made a statement to our team uh, from the bench and I said it in the wrong tone mm. and he just turned to me and said we really don't need that right now he's probably 25 years younger than me and I said, I thought about it, and I said, you're right. We don't need that right now. Thank you, coach, mm -hmm. is what I said to him. And so we all need this admonishment. It doesn't matter how long we, we walk in, uh, in the Lord and with the Lord. Uh, you know, we, we live in the flesh. And because we live in the flesh, we always need to be reminded of those eternal things of God 
that are important to our faith and to keep our minds focused. You know, one of the ways that admonishment takes place in your life is by seeking counsel with others, for, from others. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the first things that you should do anytime you have a problem that you know you're not an expert on is go find an expert yeah. in order to fix the problem. And there's so many things that, that we don't understand in our Christian walk from the Word of God. And one of the best ways that you can learn is just go to someone who knows. Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, uh, I spent time with uh, a couple just talking about they're getting married. And we spent time in the Word talking about marriage from the Word. Right. And so they were coming for my counsel to talk about what does marriage look like based upon the Word of God. And so one of the ways we receive admonishment is just by going and getting it. And uh, you can do that by seeking counsel for some kind of problem that you have in your life. You know, it, it can occur also when we have sinned and then like what happened yesterday, a brother or a sister gently rebukes us, you know, with the truth and corrects us. And uh, this can occur when we gather with other believers to discuss the word of God. And at our church, Together Church, we admonish one another really every week in our small groups. And it's not a direct shot at people right. because in our small groups we use I and me statements when we're sharing and we're answering the questions from God's word. But we let the word of God dwell in us richly through small groups. And what you know, you know what happens if you've participated in one. A Bible story is shared and then every member is given the opportunity to answer questions that are asked about the story. And then those questions are designed to move the truth of the story from our head to our hearts and to our hands. What happens every week in my group as we go through this process together is I get admonished yeah. by the other members of the group. Yeah. Now, they're not thinking, oh, Jerry needs to hear this. Right. They're just responding to the questions. But the Holy Spirit speaks to me mm -hmm. through that and works to admonish me in some way, to challenge me in some way that I needed to be uh, challenged. And that's so important that everybody has a place to play yeah. when it comes to admonishment uh, with the Word of God. It's not just the elders of the church that are doing the admonishment when someone messes up. Right. But we're all working together, you know, growing together in Christ. Yeah, it makes your part in small groups so essential. Absolutely. Because when you're not there, we miss out on the admonishment that you're going to bring to the group that week. And, and so it, all of us, this is a team sport. Church is a team sport. Disciple making is a team sport. And so for all of us to be there to share that admonishment by answering those questions, by, by speaking honestly, getting transparent. Some of the best admonishment I've ever received is when someone's willing to just lay it all out there. Yeah. They just get really transparent. Yeah, we have a guy in our group that uh, a few years ago came for the first time and really right off the bat he began to talk about some problems he was having relationally with his siblings and at that point in his life he was really judging his siblings pretty harshly and the relationship was really strained well you know I knew right when he was talking the first time well I didn't his, his mother said he's the judgmental one in our family is what she said. And so, you know, I got a clue. This is not good mm -hmm. at the very beginning. But there was never even a direct confrontation that took place. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just began to welcome him in and love him. And he began to be admonished by the group and the word of God. And he began to confess his, how wrong his heart was toward his siblings over time. Mm -hmm. And he began to make things right with his siblings. And, and 
Then what happened is one of his siblings died tragically this last year in an accident. Well, last week he shared how important it was that he had really gotten things right with his siblings. He didn't know that was going to happen, you know, and he's still devastated by it. But he shared in tears with our group how important that was to him. And once again, it never was like, man, you need to address that. You need to change that. It was just through the process that he matured in the Lord. And that's what's supposed to happen in the church of Jesus. Yeah, it is. To let the word of Christ dwell in us through admonishment. And we do that every week in group. And and we use those I statements there. But then sometimes the Lord, you know, shows us something. And we we feel this prompting of a spirit. I, I need to talk to them about this personally. And so another way that we can exercise this admonishment through small group is not in group because we have that guideline that we don't fix in small group. But after group, we can go to someone and we can say, hey, there's something really on my heart that I feel like I'm supposed to share with you based on what you shared in group. And then let me just give you a little coaching here and admonishment. Say, would you mind if I share that with you? Like get their permission. Make sure that that's okay. And if they open that door for you to share, then you can admonish them. You can say, this is what the Lord was saying. Or if there's some kind of conflict going on, you can bring that conflict to their attention outside the group and share that gentle rebuke or, or share that um, caution that you have with them. And we're admonishing one another in that small group setting. Yeah, and then you have those situations where someone just falls headlong into sin. Mm-hmm. You know, they enter into an immoral relationship and... You know, they know it's wrong and they've chosen to do it anyway. And typically when they began to just fall into sin, whatever the nature of the sin might be, they tend to pull back, you know, from the church. They tend to pull back from the group. You know, they're feeling a sense of shame. They don't want to go to church because they're going to feel that shame Mm -hmm. that's there. Well, then we have a personal responsibility as believers in Christ when that happens to one of our brothers and sisters to go after them, to go after them and admonish them in the word of the Lord mm-hmm. and, and try to, it's, it really says with a spirit of gentleness at one place in the scripture, with a spirit of gentleness, try to restore them back into our fellowship and our communion when that takes place. And that's so important. It's so important that we do that in our groups. And our leaders of our groups are the ones who carry that responsibility you know, and if it's too heavy of a responsibility, they can always, they always have a direct line to the uh, elders of our church yeah. in order to get assistance with that. Yeah. So, so anyway, are, that's critical. It is. And how is a church going to practice admonishing? I mean, these are, Paul knew that these were going to be real life issues that the church was going to face and that there's going to be all these challenges that come up against the word of God. And for us to be the church that Jesus has called us to be, to be his church, we're going to have to figure out how do we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And Paul says through admonishment, this is such an important part of this how question that we are answering this morning. So in our church, we have a place for you to practice that every week, and it's in a small group. And if you're not part of a small group, we encourage you connect to a small group and join in that. There's a, there's a place for you to get in the game and play, and your part is so important in the body of Christ. And the guidelines we use each week, what they help us do is they help us do this in love. And let me just, we'll close out this section on admonishment and look at the last section, but let me just say that all of this has to be predicated in love. Like, love has to precede it, you know. Look at what Colossians 3.14 says. This is two verses before the one that we're looking at this morning. Paul says, and above all 
these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, the big di- there's a big difference between arguing with someone because you don't like what they're doing or they're annoying you and admonishing someone in love. You get that, right? That there's a big, and where does that difference start? It starts in my heart. It starts with what's going on in here. You know, sometimes, I, you know, I wish I didn't ever do this, but sometimes with my kids, my correction and my discipline comes out of a, re- a reaction because that's just annoying. Yeah. Like, cut that out. You know, like, quit that. And, and so I just react. That's what I did kids. yesterday. I just reacted. Reacted on the bench. I then. said the right thing, but I said it in the wrong way. Yeah. And yeah. I wish that never happened, but sometimes it does. You know, that reveals something about my heart. Because it doesn't demonstrate love for them. Because love always considers the well-being of the other person first. Love always wants to build them up. And when I react like that, I'm not building them up. I'm not considering their well. But sometimes in my correcting and my disciplining, when I relate to my kids, it's not about me at all. It's about this genuine concern for them and a problem that I see going on. And I know what this problem is going to lead to if it doesn't get addressed. And so I go to them in love and I think it through and I even pray before I go. And I talk to my kids about whatever it is going on and I admonish them in love. Church, if you're going to admonish, admonish in love. It has to be from that heart. You can't skip that. This can't be because you're annoyed and you want someone in group to stop doing something. Right? Admonish one another in love. So that's the second one. The third one is what really uh, something that's very dear to my heart, and I know it's so dear to Brandon's heart because he is a very good musician. But Paul said not only do you let the word of Christ dwell in you through teaching, through admonishing, but he said through singing. Yeah. Through singing. And I know some of you, your first thought is, you know, come on, have you heard my voice? Uh, and the answer is probably, yes, I have. <laughs> But it's such an important part of the strategy for us to set our minds on things above mm-hmm. is to sing. And to sing together, but also to learn to sing by yourself unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And really lift up your own voice unto the Lord when you're meeting with the Lord uh, on your own. And so, you know, Paul said we should sing. And he said, he gave us some guidance for what we should sing. He said we should sing what? Psalms and hymns. Yeah. And spiritual songs. What in the world was he talking about? Well, I think we've got a pretty good reason to believe when he said Psalms that he was talking about the collection of sayings that is the book of Psalms. Yeah. I don't think that's a stretch no. for us to you know, believe that. Right. And so right there we know, okay, we can sing Psalms. Uh-huh. Now, you don't have any melodies uh, provided for every Psalm in the Bible, but uh, there are a lot of those Psalms that have been put to melodies yeah. that you can learn but also you can create your own melody in your heart. Just pick out a psalm and begin to sing a melody unto the Lord using that psalm. I do it all the time. And then he said in hymns. Now, this is a controversial one in the church. It has created all kinds of church splits, this word hymns. Sometimes I wish it wasn't in the New Testament because of how people have used it to create division and controversy. What are hymns? Well, hymns are an original poem. It's not one of the Psalms, Mm -hmm. but it's an original poem that's based on the truth of Scripture that is set to music. That's what a hymn is. It's not complicated. It's just an original poem based on the truth of Scripture that is set to music. So what happens with so many people in the church, they see the word hymn and they go, oh, that's the Baptist hymnal. 
Oh, that's the Lutheran hymnal. Oh, that's the Methodist hymnal. I missed that. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we're not using that, then we're not using hymns. You know, since Seth has been here, he's written several very meaningful hymns for our congregation, uh, helping us in our sermon Mm -hmm. series. Those are hymns that he's written. Mm -hmm. They may not be in our hymnal, but I guarantee you they are hymns. Yeah. And so we should worship the Lord and set our minds on above through singing the psalms, through singing the hymns, and then through spiritual songs. Spiritual songs is really a stretch for people in the church today. Uh, For the most part, they haven't done it much. Mm -hmm. Spiritual songs are spontaneous expression of truth in Scripture. Just a spontaneous expression. You know, it's it's like taking a psalm and putting it to your own melody, unto the Lord. Or it just may be words that are coming from your own heart that are true and expressing them unto the Lord and His greatness uh, being expressed through your own spontaneous expression. Mm -hmm. So why in the world is, is singing in this list? That has to be asked, doesn't it? Right. Why did Paul include singing on this list as far as its importance in setting our mind on things above? Well, the first reason that he did is that music is a powerful tool that helps us memorize eternal truths. Yeah. Now, if I asked you the question, of all the things that you've ever memorized in your life, what do you think that you've memorized the most? I think if you could measure it, most of the people in this room have memorized lyrics to songs. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of them good, some of them bad, you know. <laughs> you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Set your mind on things above. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> know when to walk away. I mean, it's just natural. You memorize things so easy when you put them to music, right? Right. And so one of the reasons that, that Paul chose music is that music is a powerful tool that help us memorize truths. Yeah, and another reason why Paul chose this, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Music is a powerful tool that helps us meditate on eternal truths. To meditate means to think deeply or to focus our mind for a period of time. Okay, some of you, I already lost by saying think deeply and focus your mind for a period of time. <laughs> like I lost you on that sentence, right? Much less you actually practicing this in your own life. And so it's really difficult for us to do this. Music is a great tool for meditation. It helps us block out everything. Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, when you start singing a song, it's really hard to just have a scattered mind. Yeah. If just, you start really engaging your soul in it, it... it brings you into focus it does focus us and you know the the thoughts of the lord the mind of the lord is so infinite like one of the greatest pleasures that we have is getting to know him and you know you'll never reach the end of that right that he is an infinite god that he's not he's without limit look at isaiah 55 8 through 9 for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord For as high as the heavens are, or for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Oh, and I struggle as a finite person with limitations. I struggle to keep my mind engaged, but there is no end to the goodness of God and to setting my mind on him and to thinking about him. And when I'm struggling with that, when I'm battling that in my own life, God has given us singing to help me meditate, to help me stay focused. When my mind is wandering in other ways and I'm lacking that discipline, go to a song. 
go and start singing and focus your mind on him. So how often do you sing to the Lord? Every day. Yeah, I do too. I sing to the Lord every day, whether, you know, and I, I, I trust that the Lord likes the sound of it. But more than anything else, he likes the heart of it. Well, and, and let, he, you know, as yeah. I it, make a joyful noise yes. unto the Lord. And let me just encourage our young people in this room. I want to look especially right over here at you all. Learn an instrument. Yeah. You will not regret it. I wish it. I would have. Learn it. I sit ev almost every day at the piano and worship God by myself. And yeah, yeah Bernie's, Bernie's the, either the benefactor or it's a burden to her sometimes in the office place <laughs> as I sing and play loudly down there. But every day, it's part of the practice for me. So learn an instrument. You won't regret it. Just make melody in your heart to the Lord. Yeah, we have so many tools to help us today. They're wonderful, you know, like headphones yeah you know if you can't play an instrument yeah we've had Allie and my granddaughter staying with us and so I go into my office there and I can put on my headphones and they won't be woke up by the music at right. 5 a.m. in the morning right because it's playing in my ears and I get on my stationary bike and I've got my song list of worship songs that I'm listening to and you know 30 minutes later is I feel like I'm ready to be raptured yeah you know because it's because of the truth that it I've is. been meditating on. Yes. How it engages your soul when yeah. you meditate on the truth of God's word. You're energized by it. And that brings yeah. us to the next point. Music is a powerful tool that helps us motivate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I put uh, specifically ourselves. I need motivation. Yeah. I don't wake up in the morning like, man, this is going to be a wonderful day. Yeah. You know, it's a great day to be a Christian. A lot of times my first prayer is, Jesus, I need your help. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> I want to mean, get out of bed in the morning, up, you know. <laughs> but so I need motivation. And music is such a powerful tool, and Paul knew yeah. this, that would help motivate us uh, with these eternal truths. Music triggers these powerful, positive emotions that are associated with our memories. And isn't that the truth? I mean, you can be sitting there and you can hear a song and all of a sudden tears are running down your yeah. eye, you know. And uh, it, it's the way it is. It triggers these, triggers these powerful emotions that we really need in our motivation. And positive emotions that come from these memories are very important to motivating and inspiring us. And so I can't tell you how important this is. This is so important. And, and you know what's so important, and we could preach a whole sermon on this, we're not going to. You know, God is the one who created music. Yeah. He created it. You know why God created it? Because he's a musical being. He is. Because the Bible reveals that God himself sings. Yes, he does. In Zephaniah 3.17, and there's other passages of Scripture. And Jesus where, sang. And Jesus sang, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so we're just following him. God understood how important music would be to our souls. And so we meditate upon these eternal truths through music. David in the Scriptures was one man that understood how valuable singing was to set his mind on things above. Yeah, he did. We don't know exactly how he figured it out, but he did. And he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah, and so he developed that instrument skill, mm -hmm. and the Bible tells us that he used his skill with a harp to minister to people. Mm -hmm. he, he, he would sing like the King Saul worship songs, and it would drive off the devil mm -hmm. from King Saul's mind. Mm -hmm. It would turn someone who was insane to someone who was sane. Yeah. And man, what a powerful... He had to be... First time he did that, and he saw Saul uh, all in anxiety, and then all of a sudden he saw peace come to Saul. He went, oh, wow. You know, look what's happening there. Yeah. And so David understood it. And then David wrote most of the Psalms, okay? 
And uh, an example of that is in Psalm chapter 3. It says it's a psalm of David. He understood the importance of music and setting his mind upon things above. And that's why he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the psalms. And then, listen to this. When, when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back from the enemies of Israel to Israel, and he put the Ark of the Covenant in a tabernacle that he constructed for it, mm-hmm. One of the first things that he did is he organized a choir and orchestra that would offer up perpetual praise 24-7 worship unto the Lord. No stopping. No stopping. I mean, that was expensive. Yeah, it was. You know, because those people had to be fed. Yeah. You know, they had families. Yeah, it was a, they, they were paid. They were, they were professionals. They were to just lift this up constantly. And that's what they did. And there had to be various teams. I mean, how long could you go before you wore out? Right. But they did this there at the tabernacle. Wouldn't that have been incredible? Oh. That any time, day or night, when you Walk approached up. up and that worship was going up there at where the Ark of the Covenant was unto yeah. God? See, David understood yeah. how important... Um, worship and setting his mind on things above through music was for his own soul. Yeah, I hope this is stirring you up. That it's stirring you up to say, oh, I don't just want the, need the what. Okay, God's word stands forever. The how. And that's what we're focusing on right now as we, as we review this. And so we've, in this series, we've seen some incredible spiritual realities. We've some, seen th- some things that we can set our minds on things above. You've been raised with Christ. You were seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. You are the new man. How do you know? How do you know that these things are true? Because the word of God stands forever. It's an eternal spiritual reality. And so that's the, that's the what. But now we're focusing on, we're getting very practical here. He told us the how, right? And what are the hows? Let's go over them one more time. Teaching, admonishing. And then singing. And then after he said this, in verse 17, the Apostle Paul reminds the church of the goal. Look at it. After he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with these things. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The power to set our minds on things above and and to let the word of God dwell in us richly is not found in our own abilities it it is found in faith in the gospel of jesus christ and it's found in knowing and believing the eternal spiritual realities that paul uh, taught us in colossians chapter 3 and in other places and as we engage the word of god through teaching admonishing and singing uh, on these eternal reality what happens is is that we began to represent the name of christ better yeah in all uh, things and all things we'll never be perfected no. in the way that we represent jesus but we should be concerned about his reputation and when we set our minds on things above we end up living differently yeah in the way that we re- relate to other people well and we recognize where the ability to do this comes from i mean look it's circled through him I mean, it's his grace. And what's, what these things do, the teaching, admonishing, singing, what they do is they set my mind on these eternal spiritual realities so that I start depending on God, so that I start leaning on his grace, that it's not up to me, thank God. It's not up to me to be holy in my own efforts. It's not up to me to be righteous in my own efforts, that what this is be, what's being lived out through me is by the grace of God and what he's done in me and who I am because of the work of his son, 
Jesus. These things help us connect with the power of His Spirit yeah. in our lives. Yeah, they do. Well, as we conclude this series of messages, there's a significant decision that you need to make. This is critical right here. It is. You have to evaluate this in your own heart. And if you haven't made this decision yet, you need to make it today. Mm-hmm. What is it? The decision's this. Is His Word going to be your authority for what you believe, what you set your mind on, and how you live? That's the decision. Have you ever made that decision? If you haven't made the decision, limbo is not a decision. You have to decide. What am I, what's going to be the authority for what I believe? How am I going to know what I set my mind on? And what's going to determine the way I live? And here's why it says God's word. Because we saw last week, God God's relationship with his word is so unique. He is one with his word. So simply put, this is what this means. Since God is one with his word, if his word is your authority, then he is your authority. And if his word is not your authority, then he is not your authority. So who is your authority? If God's word is your authority, what will you do? You will make it a priority to set your mind on it. You'll go to it for your marching orders. You'll go to it to, to, as the lens. You know, everything we hear and everything we think, we've, we're filtering it always through some kind of lens, some kind of filter. The Bible is going to become that filter for you. Will you be perfect at it? No. Will you lean on Jesus? Yes. And seek him through his word to see things from his point of view. But if God's word is not your authority, then you will not do that. Something else will be the filter. Something else will be the, your own opinion. Can you see how foolish that is? Your own opinion will become the lens. Or something that you're hearing in media will become the lens. Some other narrative will become the lens. Don't let that happen. The word of God. So what are you going to do? Who and what is going to be the final authority for what you believe and practice? You know, when God's word is your authority, you go to it when you've got to make decisions and judgments. And it's the first thing you go to. And there's not uh, specific instructions for every decision that we make in our life from God's word. But there are these eternal principles that come from the heart of God that if we'll seek the Lord, he'll reveal those things to us. And from his word, we can receive guidance. But if you haven't made up your mind who's going to be your authority, you're not going to do it. You're not going to go to the word like that. You're not going to go to the Word of God with respect and say, you know, Lord, I don't know what to do. Teach me from your Word what to do. You know, and if I need to go to somebody, I will go somebody. And so the first part of the invitation this morning that we want to challenge you with, that we feel like the Lord told us to challenge you with, is will you submit yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ and His Word Mm. as the authority of your life, the way you live your life? the way you make your judgments, the way you make your decisions, will you, will you submit yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ? That's the first decision. I want you to pray with us right now. And I'm just going to ask you to make that decision, yay or nay. You're not making it to me. The Lord's here right now. You're making it to him. Would you just tell him yay or nay? Either you, he, he's going to be the authority and his word's going to be the authority for what you believe 
what you set your mind on, what you practice in your life, or it's not. Would you right now just make that decision before him? He knows your heart. And if you're not ready to make him Lord, just say, I'm not ready to make you Lord yet. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I want you to be the authority for my life moving forward. And then the second part of the invitation as you pray before the Lord is if you've made him the authority, you've got to be intentional. You've got to be intentional about adjusting your life so that you will set your mind on things above. You've got to make time. You've got to make time for teaching. You've got to make time for reading the word. You've got to make time for admonishment and hearing the admonishment of the word. You've got to make time for singing unto the Lord. If he is the authority and his word is the authority, maybe you've been neglecting that. If, if you have been, will you, will you repent of your neglect, understanding how important it is, and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. I want your word to dwell in me richly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want it to consume my mind, mm-hmm. the eternal realities of your word. So I want to adjust my life. And submit myself to the teaching of your word. To the admonishment of your word. To singing your word. Lord, I'm going to do that. It's going to become a part of my everyday life. Would you adjust your life to do that? Father, I pray in Jesus' name. That you would receive right now, Lord these decisions that are being made and that you would continue to work in our hearts to draw us nearer and closer unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been such a privilege to share this series together to set our mind on things above. And what I want to do is, you know, as we conclude this time, I can't think of a better way than to practice this together. So if, if you've got something where you have to slip out, I totally understand, but we're going to conclude this series with about 10 minutes here of just practicing setting our mind on things above. Like, what would this look like for you? What would this look like for us to do this together? So I'm just going to start and lead us right here. Just sing this with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the
Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from a desolate pit out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock. He gave me a new song. A song of praise unto our Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Many, many, many will see and fear and will put their trust in the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. You sing it. Sing it louder. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. We're going to sing the second verse, and as we do, you take any posture before the Lord that he prompts your heart. You can stand or kneel or whatever. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses. What do they do? They join with us. Join with all nature in manifold with to the King of Kings, to thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. 
pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand be stand up and proclaim it church great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided follow me great is thy faithful again great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness lord unto me the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death we pray for ukraine i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you've prepared a place before me in the presence of my enemies my cup overflows surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever we're gonna sing one more song